Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bursting the Bubble podcast. My name is Pramith, joined by Andy, Ishis, and Rohit. And today we got the Top Bubble Moments episode. It's been a long two months. It's been a wonderful journey through basketball. Two months? I, I, think, I, I think it was two longer. months. It's been, oh, it might be three months, I don't know. Two, two or three months, something like that. Yeah, something like that, but full of great moments. And we kind of forgot about a lot of them because they happened, like we said, two, three months ago. So uh, we want to just recap some of our favorite moments from the bubble. It's been a great experience. Yeah. Um, so let's start off in the very first round, I guess. Uh, of course, the classic showdown between Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. This was like something that I've never seen. They combined for the most points in a final series at all sorts of records. And the emergence of Jamal Murray was just incredible. Dropping 50 like nothing. Yeah, I mean, he he was always a very consistent offensive weapon for the Denver Nuggets, especially, you know, even in the regular season or like during the bubble season, I guess, in those eight games. But then, you know, something just happened in those in those round one of the playoffs. He just became a completely different monster, um, became a offensive weapon that, you know, the, the Nuggets could rely on down the stretch as opposed to before when it was mainly uh, Jokic being at the center of everything. But now you had Murray just casually pulling up for three-pointers and knocking them down like like it was nobody's business yeah my my biggest takeaway from this series is that in general i think if you switch donovan mitchell and jamal murray on these two teams uh the team with nikola Jokic would go further like i know from it's a big fan of nikola Jokic, but like each of these two guards have like put up, you know, 50 in each game and they, they Donovan Mitchell was hitting some absolutely crazy three-pointers. I know Murray was hitting like the step backs and stuff like that, but Murray was getting like the sideline out of bounds and just turn around threes to keep them in the game and they'd end up winning those games. But like hypothetically, if you put Donovan Mitchell on this Nuggets team, do you think they, you know, do what they did and go all the way to the Western Conference Finals? Yeah, like, what's I see. The, what's the real delta between Murray yeah. and Mitchell right here? Yeah. I, I agree. I think it, obviously, because I love Jokic, but yeah, I think it would be Jokic. But I think the the showdown between these two is really just like what, because I, I don't think Jokic could put up the like game breaking performances yeah. that these two guys could do. No, yeah, one hundred percent. But my point is like that's that's how beautiful of a, a matchup that this was. Yeah, that we got to see those two guys go at it, and then unfortunately, you know, Jamal Murray won. And then got to keep going because he had Jokic kind of, you know, he had a better supporting cast and all that stuff. So um, this, my bigger point is that what, what are the Jazz supposed to do now? Because like, you know, Donovan Mitchell is clearly their foundational piece, not Rudy Gobert. Yeah. I mean, there's talks of, are there talks of him going to the Warriors? Is that just something that we want him to do? No, I, I don't. I, I don't want him to go to the Warriors, even if there are talks about it. I've heard a bunch of talks. I think just because people are afraid that the Warriors can't match up physically to the Lakers, and I think having a Rudy Gobert, you know, as bad as it would be against a team like the Nuggets or a team with like a perimeter threat, the Warriors are playing next season to beat the Lakers. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? the Lakers are the Lakers are the champs. They're, they have a target on their backs, and everyone should be gutting up to beat the Lakers. So to do that, I think the Warriors do need some front court depth, and uh, Rudy Gobert is only making like fourteen million a year. It could be could be done with uh, some salary cap magic. I'm just well, throwing it out there. Why why would the Jazz give up Rudy Gobert? Because of the point that I said earlier, right? Like you have Donovan Mitchell, uh, 
you know, you know you want to build around him, and you've kind of seen the ceiling, I think, of Mitchell plus Gobert. And if the Warriors can, you know, dangle that number two overall pick, maybe Wiseman in the draft, maybe, you know, anything is possible with that number two pick instead of, you know, handcuffing yourself to a player that you can't win with, at, with a team as currently constructed. You need I mean, a big boost, right? I mean, huh? It depends. Like, sometimes you feel like some teams are capped, but then, you know, a different coaching staff comes in and things can change. Like, it I, I think Quinn Snyder is a fantastic coach, and he has definitely maximized this team. But, you know, Donovan Mitchell is... He, he checks all the boxes. He's young. He's athletic. He passes the ball. He's a good leader. Rudy Gobert got Corona. Get that guy out of here. <laughs> right? like, no, but like, it's not easy to find someone who plays defense as well as Gobert does. I mean, especially if the Lakers, if the Lakers are the team you're trying to beat, I think Gobert would be a good asset to keep on to. So fair. I don't think I don't think that's necessarily true, um, because like what is like Rudy? Obviously, he's a great defensive talent, but. You know, if you want to have that certain X factor to beat the um, to beat the uh, Lakers, like you need to have him do something on offense, and he simply cannot do anything on, on on offense unless you give him the ball within two feet of the basket, right? Like that's such a liability, especially in games where um, you need everyone to show up, right? So, like I, I see your point on why the Jazz might want to ship him off, but the Warriors should not be looking for him because you know you're really giving. You're really getting him for maybe what, like twenty, okay, maybe like thirty minutes of the game, but you're not going to play him in crunch time, right? No, here's I, I don't the thing. Think... Yeah, maybe, maybe. Actually, I disagree. Uh, take it, take it back to like when Javale McGee was our starting center. Just put Rudy Gobert in uh, Javale McGee's role on offense, and the reason why Javale McGee couldn't stay on the floor was because he couldn't play defense as Rudy Gobert. We're not. At, we're we're taking Rudy Gobert and saying, hey, you don't have to do anything on offense. Draymond and Steph will create for you. We just need you on defense. Like, the Warriors are a master of taking that, that center position and specializing the crap out of it. They only need them to do certain things. Rebound, play a little bit of defense. We need rim protection. And then, you know, finish dunks on the other end. They're not asking him to be the second best player on the team like he has to be on the Jazz. Who's the secondary creator on the Jazz? Jingles? Like, Jingles. Come on. <laughs> You just Mike got Conley? hacking jingle. Mike Conley is in. Oh, is he on the team? Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah he is. Uh, I flipped it around. But like, yeah, that's my point. I think that Rudy Gobert would be max, uh, not even maximized, in a much better fit on the Warriors, and I think it's possible. And I think it would be a win for the Warriors and a reset button for the, the Jazz. Are you trying to get a Andrew Bogut type player to come to the Warriors? Yeah, right. Like the Warriors need that kind of that kind of player. They, but they with like better defense. I mean, better defense, maybe a little less playmaking. Yeah, I mean, Gobert is like perennially a defensive player of the year candidate. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. and before I, like yeah. Anthony Davis, and then I guess Giannis towards the end of the year, like he was the favorite to win this year again, three times oh, in a row. Three t- that would have been three in a row. So. Like, he's no scrub, and I understand maybe the Jazz want to hang on to him, but I just don't think that the Jazz are in a position where they can have Rudy Gobert as their uh, franchise cornerstone. So when they ship him off for the second-round pick, you know, some other stuff, I guess, you know, the Warriors are now in a position to use Rudy Gobert in a, in a, in a, in a way that befits the modern NBA. Yeah, and also, like, um, in terms of the Jazz, like, outlook after this playoffs, I mean... I feel like every year they end up making noise throughout the regular season and then they just end up with like a fifth, sixth seed and end up... First round exit. Yeah, first or round second exit. round exit. So, I mean, I don't. I feel like they're all, they are one of those teams that's stuck in the middle. 
I don't really know what to do to, you know, get them over the top. I mean, I guess so, it's just Donovan Mitchell right now. The interesting thing about that is that I really thought that the Heat and the Nuggets were those kinds of teams. I never expected the Nuggets to do anything like that. And, you know, they got a little lucky with the bubble and all this other. They had magic and all that kind of stuff. Things broke right for them. So it can happen. I just um, I just uh, don't see it happening for the Jazz, like you said. All right, let's move over to like probably the story of the bubble here. At least the regular um, season. Yeah, at least sure. the, well, the regular part of the bubble, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the bubble suns, the 8-0? Was it 8-0 or 9-0? Yes, sir. 8-0. 8-0. They didn't make it to the... Um, didn't make it to the playing game. Such a shame. Such a shame. Such a shame, man. But one of the most magical things you've seen in a while, up there with the '96 Bulls, <laughs> 14, 15, the Warriors. 2016 Warriors, yeah, yeah. and now we got the Bubble Suns. Hey, those teams lost. The Bubble Suns did not. That's yeah, all I'm that's gonna say. I mean, so have, are the Bubble Suns officially the greatest team of all time? I mean, have they lost? Have they lost? Can I, any I, other I team say no, that they haven't lost? They will never lose, barring another bubble. So the yeah. bubble suns are undefeated forever. That's facts. That has to give them the... Them the, and the 72 Dolphins. Oh, yeah. Yes. Forever <laughs> entrenched in <laughs> sports <laughs> history. Uh, and, the, mean, and the 2000... Hold up. 2016-2017 oh. Irvington Vikings. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Stop, yes. Bro, stop. High school soccer. Stop. Yes. Stop. Two representatives. This is wonderful. Stop it. <laughs> um, be yeah, proud. I think, it's, be I proud. think it, it is interesting that they did start. They did go eight and zero to start the bubble, and they also did start really well in the. Yeah, they were like four and zero regular season start. I think oh, well, four and zero. Like what a what a tremendous regular season. Yeah, so I mean, I it's think it's impressive. just a, they no, start, it's still they impressive. Yeah, start yeah, well, but... I think that's kind of their theme. Yeah, but um, I mean they and they, then, and they just get and in, start getting injured. Yeah, I feel like happens way too much. I mean, they lost uh, DeAndre Ayton for a lot of this season. Um, yeah, I don't know. Games, cause... Yeah, does this put them in the in the picture for the playoffs next year in the West? I, I mean, think we've brought this up multiple times, but like everyone's in the picture, minus maybe the Timberwolves and the Horn- yeah. uh, that's the it, Kings. right? The, the Kings, Kings. Yeah. Kings, even the Kings, they're they're, they're decent. Yeah, okay. yeah. They could, they could win 40, 30, 39 games. And, like, honestly, I don't even know about the Timberwolves because, I mean, they do still have two superstars. Uh, not superstars, stars. One superstar and one star. One star. In, uh, Who's the in, superstar? Carl uh, Anthony Towns. That is the only correct answer. That is I the disagree. only correct answer. No, but the correct answer about- is there is no superstar. Cat is not a superstar. There are, like, maybe 10 superstars in the league. You can't have a player on a team that bad be a superstar. That is illegal. Okay, first of all, he's the best center in the game, so like Are you just, okay maybe best center in half the game if you're focusing on offense the guy's like i play better defense i play better room protection than carl anthony Towns. can we move back to the let's go back to the suns let's go back to the suns you got some angry energy today <laughs> man i think this was kind of like their one moment that's you know theirs forever i don't think like next year i think we're just gonna get back to like the normal, you know, Suns fighting for an eight spot. And then, you know, like the Warriors are coming back next year, you know. Yeah. Dallas will be better. It's it's just too much. Devin Booker, though. <laughs> Devin Booker. Devin Booker, though. Most underrated player in the NBA, for sure. Yeah, it's just because of the team he's on, dude. Yeah. It's Bradley Beal, man. Poor yeah, guy. Bradley Beal is another good one. 
Like they just they're just stuck on these la- like languishing teams, and uh, you just don't hear enough about them. Again, I think it makes it all the more impressive that when LeBron was drafted on one of such teams, you know, look yeah. at what he did. We'll get to that a little later, but yeah, like, yeah. like imagine like taking a first round draft pick and just dumping him on like the Bulls right now. I mean, not even the Bulls. Like, none of those teams rise back in 2003 no, Cavs. It's like dumping them in the Cavs right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's still the Cavs, dude. Nothing's changed. So, like, yeah, these teams, these these players are languishing. So, yeah. Yeah. dude, these are the times where I, f- like, wish that there were divisions in the NBA. Where, like, some teams might have a chance some years if, like, the other three teams suck in the division. But, like, it's impossible, dude, if you're playing against every other team. I disagree. Yeah. I I like the I like the NBA's as well. I like the NBA yeah. way, but like, look at the NFL. Like some the NFC. We're gonna get an NFC East representative in the playoffs, dude. Yeah, come on. <laughs> no, but like that's that's kind of more exciting. I, okay, it's so I, I think. Thinker, but like, I, I, I think what they should do to fix all of this like stuff is just get rid of conferences. Yeah, just, they should yeah. just do the top the first one to sixteen in the league. Yeah, and just the NBA that. is ahead of the NFL, but I feel like they can, you know, be better and yeah. just abolish conferences and just go who's the top sixteen teams? That'd be way better. And then the Suns would be in the playoff picture instead of the Magic. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to the race for the eighth seed. This was a huge point we talked about in our early episodes. Our first. And, uh, episode, I think. Yeah, yeah, and it really lived up to the hype. Uh, we had so many teams competing, the aforementioned Bubble Suns, but we had the Blazers, uh, the Grizzlies were struggling to hang on, the Spurs were still in the race, um, and of course we had the Pelicans who looked primed to make big moves and make it into the playoffs, but pretty disappointing showing from them, I think. They just they just fell flat on their faces, man. There's no other yeah. way to put it. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, there's so much to talk about for this one. Um, Damian Lillard went ultra instinct in these pre-playoff games to get the Blazers in. Uh, but that's what he always does, right? It's Damian Lillard. Yeah, I mean, he has to be, like, the most likable player, considering he's, like, the guy that comes out and said, I choose my city over, you know, championships and just balls out every year. So I mean, but How much is that worth? Like, okay, you're <laughs> liked. All right, I'd, I'd take a ring over that shit, probably. Like, all that. I respect it. I respect it. I mean, yeah, okay, he has respect. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, he's also getting paid a stupid amount. Yeah, he got, he got like the six, like almost sixty million dollar contract or something. Kevin Durant is also getting paid a stupid amount to play on the Warriors. Yeah, right? they're all getting paid stupid amounts. Yeah, so but nobody likes KD. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, I, and actually, it does, that that goes to your point. that does go to your head because yeah. KD really cares. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, that's just what Damian Lillard does. He just puts up big numbers and wills the Blazers into the playoffs. But yeah. Only Never. to fall short. Yeah, I know. You know this te- this team was a uh, got in- got into the Western Conference Finals um, in 2019. 19. That's that's crazy. Their fall off. No, I think they were dealing with injuries, right? With Nurkic, yeah, Nurkic, yeah. Nurkic and then uh, I don't know how much of impact, but yeah, Myers Leonard got traded. He didn't. He kind of popped off in the Western Conference Finals, though. I remember like thirty six points, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I also think like every team, a lot of teams in the West kind of took a big leap. Like the Lakers weren't there last year. Um, Nuggets took Clippers. a leap. Clippers, right? Um, Dallas took a leap as well. So they're just not good enough. Yeah, yeah. it's just a shame. They, like they don't have the talent. Like um, I, I don't think CJ. Like I think CJ McCollum is a good player, but I don't know if he's like 
he's well suited for a championship. Bro, you know what this is? It's like kind of redundant in my opinion. Yeah, you know what this is? This is like a Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan situation. That is perfect. On the the Raptors. You just planted the idea that was already in my head. Yeah. Well done. Yes, I understand. (laughs) Wow. Like, that is so right, and that means that, like, what, Damian Lillard is about to get traded for Kawhi? Oh, dude, you heard it here first. Oh, my God. You heard no, it here wait, wait. first. Who's the actual player likely to get traded? You know who I'm going to say. You know which team this is coming from. Damian oh. Lillard going to the Sixers for either <laughs> Ben Simmons or Joel. <laughs> oh, it's gonna heard, I mean, Dave, Dave's not moving, dude. That's what if, people if anyone, may have said about DeMar DeRozan, though. That's true. That is true. I think off the two, CJ would be more likely to move, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel like Damian Lillard has just expressed more loyalty to the to the city, whatever that means. Demar Derozan like also expressed hella loyalty. He took a pay cut. He expressed how much he loved Toronto, and that okay. same okay. season they traded him. <laughs> it's cold, man. It's cold out here. It's cold in the north for sure. <laughs> and who is the northernmost team in the entire league? It's not the Toronto Raptors. It is actually the Portland Trail Blazers. Yeah, we got to go geographic here. Yep. No, but uh, I don't think DeRozan did what the for the Raptors what Damien's been doing for the Blazers. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I disagree. DeRozan took the Raptors to the Eastern Conference Finals. They got bodied by LeBron, <laughs> but like. Yeah, they, they were they were the second best team. They were yeah, the like that team I, I, was well built. Like that okay, that team had pieces around them where they had a championship caliber team. They just needed that one piece to solidify it. That's where Kawhi comes in. Like this, I, I'm looking at the trailers. They don't even if you replace, like if you trade Lillard for Kawhi or whatever. I don't think they're a championship team because there's a lot of missing pieces on that roster. I agree. I think you put Kawhi on almost any team, they become. Almost, almost. The Clippers. The Clippers. <laughs> like, realize now that he said he was like, shit. I mean, I, I would still qualify the Clippers as championship contenders. I think anyone who doesn't think they're a championship yeah, contender is a fool. But yeah, I, I do recognize that he failed this year. So, yeah. whatever. Uh, let's highlight another battle here. Uh, not really a head to head battle, but the difference between Ja and Zion, the two highly touted rookies. Uh, ja Morant, Mr. Rookie of the Year. They lost Jaron Jackson, who was their second best player. Um, and Memphis, everyone kind of counted them out. They figured they were done. Uh, but I feel like Ja and Jonas Valanciunas also, or Jonas Valanciunas, he, uh, those two really put in a lot of work. They were able to keep the Grizzlies in contention f- like way better than a lot of people thought they would. And uh, Zion, a lot of people had high hopes for him, obviously. But he kind of fell short this, uh, this bubble. I don't know if that was injury. People were saying he was out of shape from being like off of basketball for so long, but I think Ja was definitely the more um, impressive rookie, well-deserved rookie of the year, and I think he definitely won the bubble rookie of the year debate as well. So uh, when's your uh, Ja jersey coming in the mail? It's, it's coming, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I might, I might actually order that that Vancouver so one. So I don't disagree with the fact that Ja is the deserving rookie of the year. And he also played much better than Zion in the bubble. Mm-hmm. But the Grizzlies should not have been in the position that they were. I understand there were injuries. They only won two games. And the Pelicans only won two games. Both of those teams needed to win, obviously. They needed to win more games. Now, uh, Ja was affected by injuries to, the other, uh, to the, his other teammates. And I think Zion is going to be very 
affected by injuries his entire career. Small knickknacks, stuff like that. Because whenever he gets injured, he's so big that he needs to work himself into playing shape when he comes back. Like, that's just a function of him being 6'6 and like 320 pounds. When you hurt your knee, you can't run when you're, you know, rehabbing or whatever. Takes him a long time to get back. So I'm not going to judge Zion based off of this bubble. I'm going to judge Zion based off of his uh, performance pre-bubble, just like I'm judging uh, Ja based off of his performance pre-bubble. And I think they both played extremely, extremely well for their teams. Uh, I don't think it's fair to say that either one of them fell flat on their face. I think they both did very, very good. Okay. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, obviously, you know, Zion was injured for um, probably the, like the first half of the season. Um, and John Morant like really showed out. Like he was running away with the rookie of the year. Um, Kendrick Nunn wanted some spotlight. I, t- I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, sorry. Sorry to any uh, Kendrick Poor Nunn. guy, man. Catching straight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's yeah, not even the rookie I, of his team, dude. Yeah. True, yeah, from yeah. at least from the bubble perspective. But like when Zion did come back from injury, he lived up to the hype and then some, I feel like. Uh his first game, he knocked down like what four he, or he, seventeen yeah, straight points. Seventeen straight points, man. Like and then he continued his dominance, like eighty two percent of his shots, like either he rebounded or put back in, right? Like this That's is what you draft number one. That's what you want. And yeah, this is kind of what you're expecting, right? So he he really delivered. And I truly believe that if the regular season played out the way it did, uh, I think he could have taken the rookie of the year because Jaw was like wasn't doing as well as he did um, at the beginning of the year for sure. He was averaging uh, like yeah. twenty and ten, dude. Yeah, yeah well, that's not. Williamson was averaging so, like. Here's sorry, the thing, Zion. Will, oh, sorry, Ishis, do you want to say anything at all? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I pers- okay. I think this might be a hot take, but I personally think Ja has a better future or could have a better future than Zion. Like I, I think, think I think oh, sorry. I think he's more important to his team and what he can do in terms of getting everyone else on the court um, into the game and, you know, helping out his teammates. I think Zion's just like, like we said this when it, during the draft, a lot of people said they compared him to like a Blake Griffin, like he rebounds, he gets points, but he's basically a big man and he can't really do as much. Like you've said this as yourself. I mean, you went a little bit too far when you said AD wasn't top 10. <laughs> I, 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 did walk like, that, I did walk that statement back. Yeah, yeah I but... Wrong. No, but I feel like the thing you said about big men, big men can't really affect the game the same way guards can. I think that kind of applies here. Like, so, I think Zion isn't as much as valuable to what his team is. Like, his team has other scores as well. So, I don't know. I think it yeah. depends on how much of a leap Brandon Ingram continues to make because he's been really, really good. But when I watch those night, I watched like almost all nineteen games of Zion pre bubble, and that offense was flowing through him. He's a decent and willing passer. He's obviously an outstanding rebounder. So, like, they, they can use him as, you know, a hub through which the offense runs. Obviously, if it breaks down, they have Brandon Ingram. So, I also think he's, like, the next generation type of big man. So, I think he has a better shot of being the centerpiece than uh, maybe some other big men. <clears throat> That's true, yeah. I think he's, like, the most advanced big man that, like, we've seen, right? Like... His athleticism, his ability to... I would like to see it more, a little more realized, you know. But yeah, yeah, I do agree. I really, I'm really big on Zion. I'm a Zion fan, if you couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's go Let's go over to the bubble MVP, probably. Uh, we really t- already talked about Jimmy Butler in our last episode, how great he was. Everybody knows it. But um, 
I think the the story really started with him just owning TJ Warren in the first round. Uh, TJ Warren was on a tear before that. I think a lot of us MJ also forgot Warren. about that. MJ Warren. Yeah, MJ, MJ Warren. Warren. Yes. Yeah. He shut him down, and he's obviously he's insane. He uh, said they're not in the same league, and they're correct. He was. Correct. He proved it. He proved it. Yeah. That was a debate for a while. Doesn't that seem so dude, long he ago? He shut that debate down so quick. <laughs> I know. Game one, it yeah. literally was over, dude. There was yeah. no debate after that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, the exclusive coffee man of the of the bubble, right? Yeah, yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, like you said, I think we said it after the finals podcast. There's no player I think that's raised their stock more. Just everything that makes Jimmy. All his good qualities were accentuated, like on the national scale, and yeah. none of his bad qualities, if there are any, <laughs> even showed up. Right? So you even got like storylines, like, oh, he's so quirky with his coffee shop, you know? Yeah, right? coming out with Tyler Hero's high school jersey. When the media is on your side, man, dude, it's such a wonderful thing for a player. It's it's the it's the result of whoever's against LeBron, you know, has is like now. Loved. Loved. Yeah. Happy underdog. And on, on, Andre Iguodala is the Kawhi yeah. Leonard's of the world. Steph Curry his first couple of years, right? Yeah, so like, yeah exactly. Um, there is not a scrappier underdog than Jimmy Butler. Like, That's his personality. So when the media is shaping him out to be a scrappy underdog, he's already a scrappy underdog. It's like, yeah. It's like Patrick yeah, Burton. I think that this just goes to show, like, we always talk about, oh, this player is definitely better than this player. Like, oh, these players are definitely better on paper or whatever, but it goes to show how much a scenario and how much a different team exactly, can yeah. affect how much a, how well a player can do. Like, you know, we thought Kawhi was the best player in the league. I feel like I brought this up before, but we thought Kawhi was the best player in the league when he was on Toronto. And all of a sudden, one year later, all of a sudden, everyone's shitting on him. Everyone's saying, oh, he's, you know, he's not really that great. And, and now all of a sudden, you know, everyone was against Jimmy when he was on the 76ers and the Timberwolves. And they were like, oh, he's, you know, a cancer to the team or whatever. And, you know, change of scenery, you know, the Heat are that team that fit his motives his style of play and all of a sudden now people are putting him up on a pedestal you know so mm-hmm. yeah I'm just my only question is uh do you think he comes back next season with the same lack of grooming that he showed please with the, please with shave the your beard and that mustache oh <laughs> <laughs> nah man that was the source of his powers yeah i honestly yeah. agree like in uh the first one that they got game three i think against the lakers yeah dunked, and then he like was like spitting and flying and shit was getting stuck yeah. in his beard and i was like yeah this is jimmy this is him dude <laughs> that just is perfectly that's him uh all right let's go over to another superstar I, mean, well, I just want to like ask where do you guys think jimmy stands now in terms of his ranking in the league uh his ranking wow uh is he, you're saying like is he a top ten player in the in the league now? Is he a top five player? No, no, no he's not no. top five. He's that top that five. would be too reactionary, I think. Um, I think I, I I think it's almost even reactionary to put him in the top ten, but I'll put him in the top ten. I I'll put him to like fringe top ten. After that, like I I think he played like he 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 scored at the level of Damian Lillard. He led at the level of Damian Lillard, and he played defense to the level that Damian Lillard can't. And I think yeah. Damian Lillard was a top ten player pre bubble. Okay, yeah, but like. I, I do think that this should be taken with a grain of salt, given that it is the bubble. People like Jamal Murray, he was obviously not a top 10 player, was playing like a top 10 player. I mean, mm-hmm. He was balling out. So uh, maybe let's see it in a larger sample size, and then, yeah, right. I would love to see it. Yeah, and we yeah. also don't want to judge a player by the results of his team and by his individual yeah, as well. Yeah, 100%. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, good point. 
so let's go over to uh, Luca, another superstar who really made a name for himself in the bubble, I'd say. Uh, he was already a superstar, but Definitely. I think this this bubble just proved it to everybody. Uh, he had that huge game winner against the Clippers. That I think that was, was my favorite crazy. moment in the bubble. Yeah, that was also my one of my favorites. I don't know if it was my favorite exactly, but yeah. Like what could that? That's wow. insane. That was man. beautiful. He was playing like let's take you back. Kristaps is out. He has a what a, a sprained ankle or whatever. He ended up tearing his meniscus, I think. Luca is going, you know, basically him and what was it Trey Trey Burke, Seth Curry, yeah, uh, yeah. those guys versus the Clippers. You know, they had Hardaway. they yeah Hardaway. They had you know Kawhi Paul playoff P man that guy I saw baller. <laughs> but like jokes aside you know like this this is, it was definitely like a proving ground moment he held his own even without another player and man what a shot that was an all-time game with an all-time finish yeah that was so that was beautiful. so nice did he uh, get the double bang for mike green yeah he, he did he got the double bang, bang. yeah yes sir. there are only three in existence the first mm-hmm. one's pretty lame i think it was a layup to i think win a regular season game second one was curry's double bang in, against oklahoma I think we talked about this actually, but yeah. I, I thought it was just a great point to bring up again, honestly. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of comparisons to 22 year old LeBron. They're both 22. They're both uh, kind of carrying their team with some pretty stupid numbers. Uh, what do you think of that comparison? Ishus? I mean, when it comes to the series with um, the Mavs and the Clippers, I don't think I ever saw that before. And the last time I saw a player that young do that well against such a well-known, like, such superstars, it was when LeBron did it, you know, when he was first in Cleveland against, like, the Celtics, against, like, the Pistons, um, exactly. So, yeah, I don't think anyone's carried that well at that age before other until LeBron. But I think LeBron, obviously, it sucks to compare teams, but that's our job. <laughs> I think LeBron was better at that age because he was just, you know, so unprecedentedly good that, like, like there's this crazy stat. Like he was playing the, the Pistons, they were down three two, and this man scores twenty nine of the last thirty Cavalier points as a twenty two year old playing next to Ilgauskas, bro. Ilgauskas, Big Z, Anderson Verajal, like Pita Skoyakovich or something. I don't even know, man. Like just absolute scrubs. So and he took them to the finals. Uh, like while while you're correct that I think that no one's done it at like since LeBron, LeBron did it better. See, yeah. I'll tell you what the sure. one thing, my an honest opinion about those two players is I think when LeBron was first on Cleveland, and even at that age of twenty two, he could score a bunch of points and carry his team games like two three games at a time, but he it was only after like a while until he went to like the Heat and then came back to Cleveland that he kind of develop that IQ um, and that, you know, that Rolodex that we call his ability to, you know, see plays as they're happening and his IQ to like get the right pass to the right person to make the right shot. And I think at age 21, Lucas has a pretty good grasp on it for that young age. Like the way he's able to use his body to like block out players after, you know, pick and rolls, the way he's able to make cross court passes. It's, I don't, I don't think LeBron had that in his um, arsenal. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think it's like, it reminds me of the way LeBron is just able to pick apart an offense, like even right now, you know, um, it, it seems like Luca always knows what to do with the basketball. And 
as soon as you get him in the pick and roll, as soon as he traps you behind him, uh, traps the defi- defender behind him and just like slowly dribbles and just, I don't know, does a floater, does a layup, or sorry, does a floater, does a alley-oop, you know, kicks it out to the perimeter. Like, I feel like he always makes that right decision, like really, really similar to LeBron. So where LeBron had athleticism at a young age and maybe less IQ, it's kind of flipped here? Dude, yeah, no, like Luca's yeah. not fast. I don't think he's, he's pretty tall, but like he doesn't, he doesn't, Express athleticism, dude. It's yeah. like even when he does those, he, he just has really, really good changes pace. That's, that's it's just impossible to keep track of him. You know how, where he's going, how he's gonna, when he's gonna. He's shoot European, the ball. say it. He's European. He's European, <laughs> European <laughs> dude. It's just too weird. His fundamentals are fundamental, like immaculate. Yeah. It feels exactly. Yeah. yeah, and the thing about him is he's only twenty-one, right? So again, every year he's going to be making more improvements than you would expect to see from somebody who's like twenty-seven or twenty-eight or something. You know, he's still like young in his career. So no matter how good he is now, like there's still room for him to grow. It's kind of a scary thought. So uh, who knows? Even by next year, he might be even better than he was this year. Right. And the fact that his game doesn't rely on athleticism just, you know, is better for the future because he might, he doesn't need to rely on that as much as other players do. And he can stay good for a longer period of time. It's, It's crazy when you're in MVP contention and also in like most improved contention like that was him right they, they yeah. were saying like he, he he was like an mvp candidate potentially and he also could win most improved player of the year so the amount that he just jumped from last year is crazy and it's his second year man his second year so he next was, year I who think knows? top four in mvp voting or something like that that's crazy i, I wouldn't be surprised in, yeah. MVP, odds. mvp voting i think it ended down to be a i think so i think so yeah LeBron. but like mvp odds prior pre-bubble was uh he was top four all right, uh, let's go over to the Nuggets. I guess back to the Nuggets. Um, we talked about Jamal Murray, a little bit of Nikola Jokic, but of course the Nuggets came back from 3-1 twice, once against the Jazz, once against Kawhi, Playoff P, and the Clippers. Don't forget um, about Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly. He trick you um, the league is his for the next five years. The next four years. <laughs> but I mean, just insane to come back once in the postseason, to come back twice from 3-1 in the same postseason is unprecedented. Uh, I think we also talked about this. Is this more impressive from the Nuggets or more of a blown kind of deal from, I won't say the Jazz because that was a tough fought series. Um, but the Clippers are a big point of worry after the Nuggets kind of exposed them here. So they went ahead. They got Tyron Lue as their head coach after Doc Rivers. He was already on the team, actually. He was, yeah, oh, he was, he was the assistant, assistant coach? Yeah. yeah. So it's not much of an upgrade, if you ask me. Um, uh, I don't even know if it is an upgrade. I don't know anything about Tyron Lue's coaching style. Um, I know His coaching style is LeBron. <laughs> LeBron. <laughs> it's yeah. LeBron. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not going to speak on that. I don't know anything about it. But um, how do you fix the Clippers? See, like, uh, like the, the, their problem was they don't have a leader. They don't have any identity. Soul. They don't have any soul. They put all their souls in the soul box. Shout out Game of Zones. But I think the easiest way to fix all of that is to play the fucking regular season. These guys took the regular season as a joke, thinking that, you know, like the other teams that take the regular season as a joke, like Greg Popovich with the Spurs, the Warriors, LeBron back in the day. Those teams, like LeBron is LeBron knows what he needs to do. The Warriors were already established when they started taking regular season games off. 
the Spurs, you know, that system is, you know, almost immortal. But the Clippers hadn't even gelled together, and they were already, you know, taking games off, sacrificing chemistry for, you know, rest. And, you know, I think that's a very fixable problem. Force your players to play more games. Maybe not, again, this may be a little hypocritical, but maybe, maybe not Kawhi, because <laughs> that guy's knee is uh, very sus. But just play more games, man, and you'll figure it out. There's too much talent to not. Yeah, yeah, I agree and that the I, talent I will say, is not an issue. Yeah, I will say that towards the end of, or like before the season got canceled, they were on a roll, man. Um, they, I'm pretty sure they won like, I don't know, like 20 games out of the last 24 or something ridiculous like that. So they were starting to figure it out. Um, I, I don't think they got off to the greatest start in the regular season, but, you know, um, I I believe that they would be a lot better in the playoffs if they had more time to gel in the regular season, in my opinion. Because they, yeah. they already had that had that infrastructure in place, you know? You think you think they maybe, like, didn't take it as serious in the regular season because they thought that they would have more time in the regular season? Ooh. Uh, that might be some issue, maybe. I don't I don't think so, honestly, because they were like like I said, they were starting to do really, really well um before yeah, the so, whole COVID deal. Yeah. So yeah, before the whole happened, right? So it really seemed like it was coming together and then COVID happened, right? You think if we mm-hmm. had a full regular season, the the way that they were playing, uh it would have been fine. Like I, the, I, yeah. I think I agree with you. I think I agree with you, Brian. Yeah, they planned it out for like the whole deal. Maybe got screwed over. So yeah, I mean, if, yeah. If that's the case, the next yeah. year they're going to be like they're obviously still contenders, and I agree that the talent is still there. There's no reason they shouldn't be back in at least uh, Western Conference Finals contention. So could be scary next year. You think there's any changes they're going to make on the team? I think they got to figure out what to do with Harold and Lou Will. Well, playoff P is still going to be there, though. I mean, playoff P, you know, he's he's mar- he's he's handcuffed to the team or married to the team, however you want to look at it. I think he's still a good piece to have. Uh, I he'll be fine. I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about Lou Will. Like you can't play him on defense, and Montrez Harrell got absolutely exposed by Nikola Jokic. Those, <laughs> I mean, so no, I seriously think in the fourth quarter, Lou Williams doesn't really do much for this team at all because they don't need the shot creation that he provides. They yeah, have he unstoppable was, mid-range. Right, right, right. He was really good when they didn't have Kawhi and Paul George because they needed someone to put the ball who to put the ball in that person's hand and have that person create offense, you know, through shots and stuff like that. But in the fourth quarter, who who are they going to put the ball? Whose hands are they going to put the ball in? Kawhi's right. So he's right. not doing anything in that scenario, and he's not really the type of person who like is a spot up shooter or someone who can affect the game the same way by, you know, standing on the corner or off the ball. And uh, his defense isn't that great either. So at that point, I don't really know what he's doing for them. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I also, so the main point here was the the nuggets coming back. It was a bit of a bad job by the Clippers, obviously, but I do again, want to give props to the, to the nuggets. Also, in the Western Conference Finals, like Anthony Davis hit a buzzer-beating three to win Game Three, I think, or was it Game Two of the final? Of- game Three. That was one of them, yeah. So if he didn't hit that three, it was uh, tied two-one in, in the. No, no, no I think it was Game Two. I think it, it might have been Game Two. Game two. Yeah. Game Two. Uh, but yeah, they were like one buzzer beater away from being tied with the Lakers in the at, at two at least. So they played really well this off uh, this postseason. Uh, but let's move on to another collapse. I assume the Clippers were one, and the Bucks were another. Uh, they they dropped Game One to the Magic, came back like it wasn't a problem. But then 
They got smacked by the Heat. This was a matchup deal. Was this a Bucks choking deal? I think they they got really unlucky in that the worst possible team to play them ended up playing them. Like a team that just loves shooting threes is the Heat, and the the Bucks just give up threes. I also think that they really really suffered from not having home field advantage. Uh, I know every every higher seed did, but I I just really think that the the way I was watching a bunch of Giannis highlights and. That the crowd obviously loves him, so I mean, just having that in your back pocket. Giannis is a very emotional player. I think that would have just helped so much for this mm-hmm. team. Yeah, I mean, can one of your? I know Rohit, you really like Giannis. I think all of us like Giannis to some degree, at least. But I feel like a lot of this has come back to Giannis can't lead this team to uh, success in the playoffs. And this series definitely didn't help them. Do you think that still is true? That these Bucks can't currently make it to the finals? Right now, with Giannis's skill set, no. Um and like with the team with the players on their team right now. Um I'm pretty sure I talked about this before, but like Giannis can't do anything in the clutch and Chris Middleton isn't exactly the option you want in the clutch either, right? But I think these are totally fi- fixable things, you know. Giannis um, at, at least get a mid range, right? We don't want, we don't need to start with the three. Get a mid range. Be he has no post or post gate or be able or be able to create one a shot. Pick one of those three, and that's going to help your clutch time performance tremendously, right? You have an option when everyone is staring at you. Everyone knows you're going to get the ball. You're going to be the man down the stretch, and you can just create a shot, right? Right now, he does not have that ability at all because. In clutch time, everyone's looking at you. Everyone's going to clog the lane whenever you go in. And th- he, he's a great god, but like, what do you do against one on five, right? So um, I, I think these are completely fixable mistakes. Or not mistakes, like fixable things for next year, for sure. Do you think they need a lot another, of off-season development. Yeah, Sorry, do you think they um, need another like, mid-tier player, like uh, another superstar to pair with Giannis to you know, be that guy in the fourth quarter? I think they need another coach. Uh, the reason is, I mean, we all know the jokes about he only played Giannis for like 30 minutes a game. Giannis is 25, playing the entire game. Anyway, um, the the thing, their, their scheme was, you know, throughout the regular season, give up threes, protect the paint. And then on the other end, you know, Giannis drive and kick out to a bunch of shooters. Now, that's fantastic against the Bulls, <laughs> right? But like, when scheme breaks down, you need to have something else. And it can't be Chris Middleton hunting for a mid-range, like uh, Andy Andy mentioned. So, sure, one option is to have Giannis develop more skills, and I think that'll come. He's only 25. Cut the poor guy some slack. He's already two-time MVP. But um, there needs to be some more coaching innovation here. You can't predicate your defensive system around allowing threes when the league is shooting more and more threes than ever. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, that that was going to be my point. You said... They brought you brought up they they were good at defending everything but the three, but it seems like everybody wants to shoot the three now. It's so. Not a good time to be good at that. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be good at that? Go to the nineties or any time before Steph Curry. But like, yeah, come on. That I think they need better coaching more than another superstar, along with the you know presumptive development of Giannis. Yeah, I feel like the scheme that they were running most of the season was you know have Giannis you know drive like dunk it on people and then have you know shooters on the outside. I think that was kind of a thing that worked in the regular season because you play different teams every 
game and they don't really have time to adjust and look at that much film. But I think that thing doesn't really work in a seven-game series where people can look at film, people can adjust and come up with schemes to stop that time. It's kind of a one-trick pony. Like, if someone looks at the film and tries to stop it, it's not really going to be feasible. It's almost like the Rockets having their... It's like that no, it's yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, it's it's like the inverse of the Rockets, but it's a one-trick pony. And come playoff time, you play the same team four times to seven times in a row. Exactly. Like, do you seriously? Yeah, like do you seriously expect Giannis to dunk over everyone four games out of seven? Like it's just statistically not going to happen, especially against a team like the Heat, which was matched up pretty well for that with um, Adebayo, you know, Jimmy, Jay Crowder. All right, um, let's go over to. One of the most fun stories of the bubble. One of the most unexpected emergences of a player that I literally never heard of before. Uh, my guy, Lou Dort, on the Thunder, just shutting down James Harden. I've never seen it. Never seen it happen. And especially, i never seen this guy. And that was just something to see just somebody you never heard of. I don't know if that's because I'm like a, more of a casual fan, but uh, uh, I, I feel I, like a lot of people... I hadn't heard of it either. Yeah. I I barely like I've barely heard him mentioned in the regular season. I know he was like kind of used in defense, but like obviously I I would never predict like this kind of performance in um in the playoffs. And just uh just to reiterate the uh, record um or like the stat that he set um what, what okay wait it was like what the first undrafted rookie to ever score thirty plus points in a playoff game. game um, I don't yeah. know. If, was it I don't know seven? if Duncan Robinson <laughs> in a game seven or something. Like that. I don't know seven. if Duncan Robinson also scored thirty in the finals. It might have been twenty six, yeah, but like yeah, Luke Dort was like really um, one of the big stories of the Rockets Thunder matchup for sure. Um, this guy just completely invalidated Harden for a good couple games. He got figured out a little bit, but I think he did such an amazing job on Harden and. If he made that last three at the end of Game Seven, oh poetic. my God, that would have been so poetic. That but unfortunately, cute. sometimes we cannot have nice things. Yeah, I think the most impressive thing for him was he was the defensive stopper, and like after a couple games, everybody knew it. They're like, "All right, this guy's shutting down James Harden." But it's a good thing he can't make a shot. He can't. He can't shoot a three or whatever. But <laughs> the fact that he was able to like bounce back and. Sure, he was missing shots, but like like you said, uh, many times over and over, you have uh, Chris Paul leading this team. The fact that he didn't give up on Dort and just kept feeding him the ball and the shots eventually you started. Oh my point. I was about to come in all right. with saying this should be Chris Paul's award right here. All right, all right, all right. I'm, I'm just going to say a little more. Dort was able to hit those shots, and it's so great to see someone like who's losing confidence regain that confidence and be able to make their shot. And not only be like a defensive stalwart but stop being a liability on offense and actually like contribute and being a huge factor to the team winning uh but really talk about chris paul because yeah I man him. like that's exactly the point like let's say you have let's take you know paul george right that guy's missing shots left and right he shouldn't be missing shots who i'm not in the locker room i'm gonna preface that obviously but like who's coming up to paul george and being like yo don't worry about it we got you we still got your back just keep shooting those threes it's gonna fall Kawhi is definitely not doing that Right, and like on the other end, you have Lou Dort and a, a worse player than Paul George, clearly. Yeah. Yet Chris Paul can come in, show his faith to have you know one of the greats, point god of the game, come to you as an undrafted rookie and be like, "Yo, I believe in you. 
just like you know uh, Jimmy was doing with uh, Duncan Robinson and um, uh, Tyler Hero. To have that support, the ethos behind that support, just it it really pumps you up. And you know the weapon of being able to stop Harden, and then anything he could do on the offensive end was just found money. And it that's just that's that's all on Chris Paul, obviously Lou Dort, but like Chris Paul maximized <laughs> that, and I think that that that's what he brings to the team. Dude, I saw this thing where they were like lip reading what Kawhi was saying. Uh, this was like after a fast break. I think he gave up the ball. Reggie Jackson, <laughs> and he, he took a really he took like yeah he I think he took a really bad shot, and then Kawhi goes, "I did I didn't give up the ball for this shit." <laughs> and I was like, "Shit." <laughs> I mean, fair, right? But like, but know, like, yeah, leadership was- isn't his strong suit, and that's fine. But I'm just saying that like, when it when a player is feeling feeling down, you gotta you gotta you know, pick him back up. Yeah. No, like, dude, Chris Paul was so good for um, uh, SGA, for Dennis Schroeder, for Dort. Like, he del- just straight up elevated their all of their games, and he just brought them confidence. He gave them tips. He gave them like the straight game plan, everything that they were doing. He told them how to attack, and that was just a huge thing for that entire organization. Yeah, uh, we talked a little bit about Harden. wasn't his best series. Uh, now Mike D'Antoni's gone. Daryl Morey's also gone. Uh, GM. So, what are your what are your thoughts on Harden's future here? Do you think it's it's going to continue to be a regular season god and a postseason kind of? I'm know, kind of bummed just because I really think that at with that big three of Maury Ball, Mike D'Antoni, and James Harden, Ball. like, what are they going to do next? Are they just going to trot out a lineup of everyone five nine? You know. <laughs> It's like you never know, and I, I love seeing that innovation. You know, maybe they don't actually get the credit for it, like Mike D'Antoni with the seven seconds or less Suns. Yeah, they were offensive crazy, but then you know Steve Kerr brings that philosophy over to the Warriors a decade later. But to have that innovation is just fantastic for the game of basketball. Um, they brought the switching. I mean, they didn't really bring the switching defense, but they they popularized it against the Warriors. They did a lot of good things. I think the yeah. Rockets definitely look back on this, you know, era. With the uh, with the you know a fond memories you know they they took the KD Warriors as far as anyone took them took them to the brink. Um, I think it's a definite plus on the on the era. I know this didn't answer the question. I just wanted to get that out that uh you know let's pour one out for a fun a fun, fun era. era. Yeah, yeah. I want to quickly I want to quickly add to uh, Rohit's point. Um, Daryl Morey, I I think really brought in the age of analytics into the NBA. You know, they, I, like, the Rockets definitely take it to the most extreme in that they just got rid of the two-point shot, at least the mid-range shot entirely. Um, but, you know, I was watching a, a video the other day, and it was like basically every single NBA player um, during their film sessions, there is some analytics talking about uh, that is being talked about. And that's something that's a drastic change from five, six, seven years ago, you know. So I definitely kudos to Maury and like it, it's an, I, I think it's an important thing to you know kind of not focus on like individual film but also think about like your shot selection and whatnot. Um, just just a point I thought to bring up. Do you think the Warriors kind of pioneered that into the NBA or is it his thing? Because I feel like the Warriors use that a the lot. Analytics, the analytics, the analytics, yeah, especially yeah, especially with them. Uh, I don't I don't know I don't really know about this um analytics as far as the warriors are concerned i think the the rockets you know they took it as far as they possibly could yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. and that popularized it they're like okay if this team with this crazy you know scenario is actually winning games 
maybe let's adopt some fraction of it and reap some benefit of some some of the benefit without you know sacrificing our big man just just adopt better ideas maybe instead of taking a 28 foot 2 I'll take a 29 foot 3 yeah all right let's uh let's wrap up the bubble here i guess with of course the champs the los angeles lakers won i think this is goes to show we talked about this in our last episode but LeBron, anytime LeBron's on a team, they're making the finals. We see that, but they, uh, LeBron and AD together is a scary combo. And AD just signed a he he he. I guess he, yeah, yeah, he resigned. He with like the Lakers. opted out or something. But yeah, then, like, he opted out of some contract, and now he's going to be on the Lakers for a long term deal. I think. Wait, did he actually sign something? No, he yeah, had a two year contract. So similar to what KD was doing, you had a, like a player option. Um, after the first year, I think that was uh, that was the contract he signed. Okay, with yeah, the, with the Warriors was that what he signed with the Warriors? I, I'm pretty it's sure that's like what Kevin. Trans- it's a one plus one, so yeah, yeah, exactly. can resign for the max if he oh, wants. Okay, yeah. So it looks like he wants to be here for a while. Uh, LeBron, obviously. So, uh, it's are we going to be looking at this next year too? Yes. Repeat champs. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Repeat champs. Repeat champs. Know. But like, I don't know repeat, about repeat champs. Repeat but... Contenders for sure. Oh, obviously. Yeah. Anytime LeBron's there, of course. Yeah. Remember when uh, the Lakers were struggling and the bubble, like eight, the eight bubble games, and oh, yeah. they just silence all the doubters. <laughs> My yeah. God. Dude, After if we had any you? doubt that LeBron would be bad in the playoffs, how can you bet against LeBron? In what sane mind would you bet against LeBron? Okay. Okay. I got a hypothetical. Pretend the Bubble Suns made it with the eight seed. Oh, and they have to <laughs> oh no, no. What happens, no. dude? What happens? We have the already Bubble established that the Bubble Suns are the greatest team to play by. We have an unstoppable force versus an immovable object. The bubble would burst. The bubble would burst. <laughs> LeBron would uh, develop, you know, mind control and just fucking use his mind to put the ball in the basket. That's it. Um, that, that is the only way, man. Yeah. Who do you think is the biggest threat to the Lakers right now? Uh, I mean, Curry, Clay, and Draymond have shown that they can uh, go toe to toe with LeBron, and if they get Gobert, <laughs> they'll be fine. With they... I think I, I'm, a, I'm a Warriors fan, but I, I do think it's the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Warriors. But like, okay, that is true. But this is the best team, LeBron team that the Warriors have faced. I think. Sure, sure, sure. But like, yeah, but this is also the best team. other team. The yeah. Best what? Would you rather take the Warriors or the Clippers right now? That's the question. Uh, you're asking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Warriors, I think. Yes. But okay, the thing is, um, I really want to see the Warriors play first before I... That's fair. Yeah, fair. That's fair, but I, I think... I mean, you're asking me this question on October 18th. What am I supposed <laughs> to say? It's supposed to say the Lakers are undisputed. Uh, undisputed? <laughs> yeah, it really is between the Clippers and the Warriors, it feels. Can you put Four second else in there? For second uh, place right now? I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree. Yeah. That's Pelican. basically it. Pelican. Uh, <laughs> Who knows, man? The Mavericks. The Mavericks, yeah. Yeah. You laugh. You, you laugh, laugh now, but we don't know. Cry later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drink. Uh, How long do you think the Warriors, I mean, the Lakers are going to have this LeBron and AD duo? So one thing that just popped into my mind when Pramit said, you know, KD was signing those one plus ones. I think AD is following the blueprint that LeBron and KD have laid out. Go somewhere, learn how to win. Go some, go somewhere else, and then just be on your own. I think AD is going to be on here under three years. Yeah, under three years. Me too. 
I think wait, that, sorry, how, 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 he's going to be out of here in under three years. He's not going to be in the Lakers in three years. I think he's going to. I mean, win. where would he go though? Like, he's going to win two rings. He's going to win two rings, and he's going to get a shit ton of money somewhere else. No, I think. Oh, okay, I think what he might do is okay. Obviously, I feel like this is an impossible scenario, but a LeBron agent. <laughs> he he waits till like, LeBron. Guys with sports. Maybe like LeBron retires in like three, four years, and then uh, no. That's, so that's where you're wrong. I'm just going to disqualify that. <laughs> I said I did say it was an impossible scenario okay, before good. I said it. <laughs> Here's the thing: Katie was in the ideal situation for his talents and rings, and he moved. AD is in the ideal situation for his talents and rings. I think he's also going to move. I, I just think that these players, like LeBron himself, mentioned that he was mentoring AD on how to win a championship, how to get over the hump, what Dwayne Wade did for him. So, and then Steph Curry and that the whole Warriors organization did that for Kevin Durant. What did Kevin Durant do? Move somewhere else to do his own thing. Um, I think, okay, let me rephrase that. I don't think LeBron and AD will be on the Lakers in three years. That will be one of their teams. I either LeBron, I LeBron. Cleveland or AD. I, I think LeBron is going to stay, dude. No, he's going to LA for a reason. Like, he's going to stay. For why why would he stay? He came. I think or he maybe he'll go to the Clippers. I think he but, goes to wherever Bronny, <laughs> Bronny goes. <laughs> but like, I feel like he's always wanted to come to LA. His kids go to school here. I mean, he's into the you know films and all that stuff. So, I think it is part of his like plan after the NBA. So I think he's gonna try to stay here. Um, see that the concept is that I think even if AD leaves, I think LeBron will just get another replace, like another big to replace. Hundred percent. But my point is that I think AD is has. Is gonna soak up the blueprint and then move on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe KD is mentoring Kyrie on how to win a championship, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the answer is to join the seventy-three and ninety. <laughs> KD's blueprint not as good as LeBron's blueprint, unfortunately. All right, let's uh, uh, finish off with some closing thoughts on the bubble. Uh, of course, the whole big story, underlying story, was the no fans situation. Uh, I think this really benefited teams uh that really like worked the ones that didn't rely as much on on the crowd hype and i won't say teams because i guess all teams rely on crowd hype but the players what does that mean what does that mean in terms of play style lower seats Uh, i'm gonna discard the the play style point but i just think lower seats benefited so much like you really think the mavs are gonna yeah i guess clippers don't really have that much home for the bench let me take that out uh scratch that but like yeah like i said the heat in all of their series Boston. Yeah, they're actually fifth, right? When they fifth? Boston, yeah, they're, Miami, they're fifth. LA. You, you really think they 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 get they 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 beat the the Bucks in five? Yeah, I think I think what who really benefited was like the guys Small who are just all business, hard. dude. This you see, well, Jimmy Butler is the definition of all business, right? He didn't even like want his family to come in here. Just locked in the entire time, just working, and all like all you do in the bubble is basketball, right? There's nothing else. There's just basketball. That had to have benefited him. LeBron is like the poster child for having a dedicated. He spends like millions in keeping his body right and whatever. He's obviously a dedicated hard worker. He's also a down to business, zero dark thirty type dude when playoffs come around. So this benefits the people who get locked in and stay locked in. They're in an environment that provided zero distractions for them, and the people who are willing to like put that in is the, too much. that is too much for some people. That's not. A, that's not a. That's, yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to take away. It, they're human, yeah. but like some people can lock in better than others. Yeah, and I, the guys, the two. I don't think it's a surprise that the two teams in the finals were led by Jimmy Butler 
and LeBron, who's like the king of locking in. That's yeah, my on it. I think when it comes to like how different life is with COVID, we kind of talk about it in the NFL, whichever team can adapt the best will do the best. I think that applied here as well. Whichever coaching staff could, um, you know, practice with their players and, you know, coach the players in the right way and help them adapt to this different scenario would, you know, be the best and perform the best in such a weird situation. So I think some teams weren't able to adapt well, such as maybe the Clippers, you know, maybe the Bucks. Mm-hmm. you never know. Yeah. Um, and the concept there is, I think, without the crowds having any effect whatsoever on the games, I think that's where coaching adjustments and coaching... you got to um, win on the margins. You don't have the crowd giving you plus three points. Right, right. Yeah. So it's all about you know coaching and how well you can... Yeah. The, the little things add up a lot more. I really, now that I think about it, I really think the Boston Celtics would have been the most different team. I feel like that home field advantage, they would have... I think they would have beat the yeah. Heat. I think they would have beat the Heat, and I think they would have you know done some real shit in the finals with home field advantage. I, I can see that. That would have been like a such a crazy story, or like not a crazy storyline, but such a interesting series, right? You have your classic Boston Celtics, or your Celtics and Lakers series, and yeah. I know the crowd would be yeah. raucous for that, man. And the Lakers I, would have tied the Celtics record. Yeah, man. Yeah. That would have been crazy. I also want to give a quick shout out to what if Rockets Thunder with the whole swapping players, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Harden back in the day. Like That would have been a fun... Um, Dude, the fans would the fans would go riots. <laughs> there yeah, would be riots. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I said it before too, but the Luca shot would have been in Dallas. Oh my god! The Luka game winner. Oh, so oh, yes. Oh boy, that'd been something. Uh, all right, and finally, uh, just wanted to bring up the Bucks Magic protest. There uh, was it a not a boy. It wasn't a boycott. It was a. Right. They. They didn't want to play that game uh, in solidarity. I think this was like I think Andy had said it really well um, before we started recording. It's like a microcosm of the entire bubble. You had Black Lives Matter on the court. You had uh, the players having their own messages on their jerseys. I think having such a public and um, such a just like something that everybody saw uh, was such a really cool thing. Uh, Andy, you want to say something else? Because I know that was your point. <laughs> uh, you you stated everything I wanted to say. <laughs> I think it's it's really great when you see like these guys who have such a platform on it and just actually doing something that they want to do. Doing something about it, yeah. Because uh, yeah, if they're making money. They should shut up and dribble. That makes absolutely sorry. Uh, I'm not gonna say it. No, it's I I agree. <laughs> it, it, that's that's a very valid point. Yeah. I'm just glad they're using their platform to, you know, uh, get out more messages that are not necessarily NBA related because we have to remember, like, these guys are people at the end of the day, right? Not not NBA players. Like, they are advocating for the same things we are, um, and I'm glad, you know, we they were able to get their message out to a lot more people this way. Yeah. All right. All in all, successful bubble. Like we said before, great job, Adam Silver. Yes, sir. Great job. Uh, That is going to do it for us. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, If you want to support the podcast, you can check the link in Spotify and uh, go on Red Circle and uh, give us some donations, I guess. Uh, But other than that, we're going to come back with some more NFL episodes, of course, and NBA whenever some huge news comes out, because I'm sure free agency will come out, have some big splashes. Who knows? Maybe Gobert might actually go to the Warriors. (laughs) Not free agency, but... But yeah, I mean, 
whenever something happens. Off season. If it happens, if it happens, I want I want my props. Twitter. <laughs> you gotta make it decided. I want to be. Oh shit. <laughs> oh, All right. I really think that we would win. Uh, you can scroll back to around uh, 0.05 in this uh, in this podcast if you want to hear me say it again. <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you all in the next episode. See ya.